Come on now, who's excited to be in the house of the Lord? You got to make a little bit of noise. Go ahead, go ahead. You may be seated. So good to see you guys. In fact, look at the person sitting beside you. Say, you look good today. Tell them, say, you look good today. Tell them, yeah. Look back at them, say, you look bad yourself. Know what I'm saying? You don't look bad yourself. Man, it is so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here. We want to take just a moment uh, in case you're visiting with us. If it's your first time or first time in a long time, we are one church in two locations. We have a campus in Grace, and we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We also want to give a shout-out to everybody watching online all over the world. Thank you for being part of what God is doing right here in Eastern Kentucky uh, through Better Life Church. And we want to welcome you to the Moorhead Campus. Thank you guys for coming out and hanging out with us today. We're in this series called Seek, and last week we kind of defined this a little little bit that seek really means um, to desire something or to look for something so if you're seeking after anything in your life you're to desire it or you're to 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 seek after it to actually to look for it and you know if you lose something or you're looking for something you say okay I want this so I'm gonna go and I'm going to look for it we talked about what does it really mean to get in position to seek God and here's the good news about it you want some good news here's the good news anybody can seek him like anybody can seek after God, like every single one of us, no matter what you know about the Bible, no matter how you feel, you could get up every day saying, God, you know what? I desire you and your will to be done in my life. Everyone could do that. So here's what I'm going to do. Everywhere I go, I'm going to look for you. When I go to work, when I go to school, when I go to Walmart, when I go to eat with my friends, wherever I go, I'm going to desire you and I'm going to seek. You are working somewhere and how can I join you in what you are doing? However, for most of us, recap from last week. We talked about this. There are things that hinder us from seeking after God. Now, there's a lot of things we could talk about, but some of the big ones that pop up is our, uh, our pleasures. And what I mean by that is that we're comfortable. Like, God, we're comfortable right now. I really don't need to be uncomfortable, and life is good. I don't want to get uncomfortable, so I don't want to pray audacious prayers. I want you to do something great in my life, because if I really, truly seek after God, he made me want me to share my faith with a friend at school, with a coworker at work, and I just, like, get, get uncomfortable, if I really seek after God, he may ask me to support an organization or, or bless someone. And I really just don't want to get, you know, uncomfortable. So sometimes our pleasures can get in the way. For most of us, it's our priorities. You know, we look around and we all have different priorities, right? I mean, we have different things planned. And we got to go places and do things. And that's for every single one of us. But if we can't take just a moment to read our Bible or, or, or spend time praying with God on a daily basis, probably our priorities are out of whack. In fact, if we can't even find time to worship together with God's family, you know, even on Sunday, we may have our priorities uh, out of whack. Now, I know seasons come and, and people get busy. I've got four kids, two are in sports. We're trying to get everywhere we can. So I understand that. I get that. But I'm talking about on a consistent basis of really just seeking after God. And then for a lot of us, it's our plans. We got all of our plans in our life, right? God, this is where I'm going to go to school. This is what I want to major in. This is what I'm going to do with my life. This is where I want to move. This is where I want to marry. This is the job I want. I want to make sure I get paid this much. This is the house I want to live in. And hopefully I can make it to retirement. God, could you please sprinkle a little bit of gold dust of blessings on my plans, right? Can I get a witness? That's how most of us, we operate. We plan our life. We ask God to bless it. Instead of seeking God, saying, God, what's your plan for my life? God, what job do you want me to have? God, what city do you want me to move to? God, what house do you want me to live in? You see, we, we, we won't think that God wants to know all and work through all the details of our life. So if we're really going to seek after God in 2020, if we really want to progress in our faith, then there's some things we've got to change. In fact, we've got to adjust our posture so that we can enhance the progress of our faith. And honestly, most of us don't want to adjust our posture. 
The posture I want to talk about today is if we really want to seek after God, we got to go after this posture of prayer. If there's any habit that you want to add to your daily routine, it is the habit of praying and talking to God. In fact, some of you today, you believe in God, but you don't believe in prayer. Like you believe in God, but you don't really truly believe in prayer. And maybe because God didn't answer my prayer. I prayed for a grandparent to be healed. I prayed for a family to be healed and God didn't heal them the way that you thought they should be healed. And guess what happens? You believe in God, but you really don't want to talk to him and believe in prayer. Maybe for you, God didn't come up and show up the way that you thought he should come through for you. Maybe, maybe you're sitting going, I just don't think God's going to answer me when I pray. I've been praying and praying and praying for my spouse to get saved. God hasn't saved him. I've been praying and praying and praying for my wayward kid to come home and they haven't come home. I've been praying and praying and praying for the promotion and I haven't got the promotion. I've been here longest. I've worked the hardest. And God, you know what? I believe in God, but man, he don't answer my prayer. Because he doesn't come through the way I thought he should come through. Or maybe I just don't want to do, or maybe God may not do what I ask him to do. So there's no sense even praying about it. Or maybe for some of us, you just haven't really heard him. See, God always answers your prayers. You know that? God always answers prayer. It's yes, we like that one, right? It's no, we can settle with it if we know it's a different no. But here's the big one, not now. You got to wait. You got to wait on that one. It's not timing. But God, please, but it's not the right timing. See, God always answers prayer. It's yes, no, or you got to wait. Not now. It's not timing for you. And it might be because of a a busyness of your schedule. It could be from an unbelief in your heart. It may be that you're mad at God. I'm amazed that so many people are mad at God. I prayed and God didn't do it the way I thought. I'm mad at him. Life dealt you a tough uh, uh, situation. Your parents got divorced. You're mad at God. The person you loved walked out on you. You're mad at God. The company you worked for let you go or went out of business. You're mad at God. You don't have enough means to put food even on the table. And you you get mad at God. See, a lot of times... God hasn't changed, but circumstances have happened, not because God caused them, but God does allow things to play out. We live in a sin-filled world. Sin has warped the world, and sin has affected everything in this world, and God will allow it to play out. But however, we're mad at God because life didn't turn out the way we thought it should. Therefore, I believe in God, but I'm a little mad at him. I'm a little upset with him. In fact, because since he turned his back on me, I'm going to turn my back on him. Most of you wouldn't sit up and say that. Hey, I just want everybody to know this morning, I've turned my back on God, right? We don't testify that. But in our hearts and in our posture of prayer, we're like, yeah, I know God. I believe in God. But man, I, there's no sense in him talking to him because he's going to do what he wants to do. And so we need to go in and really sense God. How do we really hear him? And maybe it might just be you've never really been taught how to pray. And maybe you just don't really understand, how do I hear God speak to me and when I really seek him in prayer? You know, if I like putting myself in the the, the Bible, when I I read the scripture, I like to put myself in the scripture. So if you could imagine, if you're a follower of Jesus, first century, Jesus is doing all of his mission and all of his work, and you're one of his disciples. Doesn't matter who you are, you follow him wherever he goes. And you watched him and you walked up to, with Jesus and you saw him take this like little bitty loaves of bread and he breaks it up and he feeds thousands of people. And you're like, how did he do that? Like how in the world did you put a hand in a basket, break bread and you feed 5,000 plus people? How does that even happen? Or maybe for you, you, you went to school with this person, you raised up with them, you saw that they've been you know, lame or they could not walk or they had an illness or something wrong and Jesus goes by and he, he heals them. 
And you're like, how does he do that? Like, how did you heal somebody? Or, or you're in the boat with them one day and you're scared. And uh, next thing you know, you see this looks like a ghost walking towards you. And it's Jesus walking on the water. And you're like, hey, wait, wait. I, I, I've tried that before and that doesn't work, right? How do you do that? Or maybe that one day you showed up with him and everybody's crying and like, why is everybody crying? And he goes up to the stone and he says, roll the stone away. And he rolls the stone away and he, he gets in the stone and he yells, Lazarus, come out. And somebody looked like Michael Jackson Thriller, y'all. He was like walking out, you know, like World War Z took all over. Like, and like, what happened? Like, how did you do that, right? So if you're a disciple, and this is why I put myself in the story, if you're a disciple and you're sitting there one night and you're kind of rubbing elbows next to Jesus, you're sitting here talking to him, he's your master teacher, your master rabbi, he knows all this, and you're like, um, could you teach me how to do that? Like, wouldn't you want to know that? Like, Jesus, listen, I got a pool party next weekend over here in Jerusalem, and uh, could you, like, teach me how to walk on water? Because that's going to freak everybody out. How did you do that? Right? Or, or you go and say, hey, man, listen, I got some in-laws coming over, and they're bringing, like, their in-law. Everybody's coming over, and I got to break some bread. I got to feed everybody. Could you tell me how to break bread? I got a lot of people to feed over here. Like, how do you do that? Or, or you're like, man, listen, I've got some loved ones. I love to listen to their stories. I would love to be able to just go to a tomb and say, hey, come out. And they come out like, oh, mummy fight. Like, how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you do that? Nowhere in the Scripture is it ever recorded that the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them anything except for one thing. They didn't say teach how to walk on water, how to raise the dead, how to heal people, how to break bread and feed thousands of people. The only thing that's recorded that they ever asked Jesus to teach them was how to pray. Now you imagine that. Out of all the miracles, out of everything that took place, you're sitting there next to Jesus. You're like, um, that's cool, but man, we really want to know how you pray. Because when you go off with the fathers, things change, things happen. In fact, we see this in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. He says this, when Jesus was praying, he went one day and he prayed to a certain place. But when he finished it, one of his disciples says this, Lord, teach us. Teach us to pray. Not walk on water, not do miracles, teach us to pray. And so that's what we're going to look about today is getting the posture of prayer. Last week is getting in position. This week we're talking about the posture. Next week we'll talk about what's the promise, what's the payoff, and really seeking God in prayer. So how, how do you really get in this position of this posture of prayer? And I'm going to look at one of the most famous prayers that probably all of us know and have heard or even recited, and that is the Lord's Prayer. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter 6. It's the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to walk through this together because most of you, you might not know exactly where it's at. You may not know it word for word, but you are familiar with this prayer. i never forget it. It was my senior year at, uh, at Belfry, and um, this was the 94-95 basketball season. As one of the seniors there, I was picked to be one of the captains of the team. And so we're in the, in the locker room all the time, and after coach gives a game plan, we're sitting there. Yes, coach, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. Here, watch out for this. Cool. He would always say, Vinny, that's my nickname. He said, Vinny, I want you to lead us in prayer. And I never forget, he called me to lead us in prayer. I'm like, what, what, I don't know how to pray. What are you talking about? I don't even go to church. What are you talking about praying, man? We like, I'm, I'm sitting there going, wait, wait, what? You know, what are you talking about? And so I was like, everybody grabs hand, Vinny leads us in prayer. And I'm like, our Father, thou art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And then everybody starts saying the Lord's Prayer with us. Like, now I didn't know you know the Lord's Prayer, bro. I know you didn't live like that. You know, like, he's like, why don't you call that guy? He goes to church, let him pray on the team. And the Lord's Prayer. So every time before every game, Vinny leads us in a prayer. So I'd always do this in the Lord's Prayer. 
prayer because if you pray the Lord's Prayer, you get the dubs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what it is. If you say the Lord's Prayer, it's like, you know, both teams are in the locker rooms praying, and everybody thinks God's all about win or losses. Like, someone's going to lose, right? Someone's got to lose that. Well, you didn't pray. You didn't have enough faith, right? Because God would, if you prayed the Lord's Prayer right, you would win. We did have the best winning record still today, the 94-95 season. So maybe God came through on that. But we got knocked off in the semifinals at my wife's home team, McGoffin County. And I'm, I'm not bitter. I'm still not. I married her. So I'm married to a hornet. She's a hornet sometimes on that. And she would let me know, hey, 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 wait, you got So I'm not bitter of that. I'm, I'm working through. Pray for me. I'm still processing that. Um, but, but he says, Lord, teach us to pray this very familiar passage. And what happens is a lot of times we think, and there's nothing wrong with praying the, the scriptures. There's nothing wrong even praying this prayer. But Jesus didn't give us this prayer as something to be repetitive, to say over and over and over as if there's a f- formula, but as a model of prayer. In fact, if you want to be technical, it's really not the Lord's prayer because Jesus never had to ask God to forgive him of his sins or his debt. It's technically the disciples' prayer. If you want to see the Lord, what he really poured out in John 17 before he went to the cross and he prayed his prayer out, this is a prayer for us to pray as disciples and followers of Jesus, but there's a pattern in this that he wants us to learn. And when I say pattern, it's not like it's, it's mystical. It, it's just a, a God when you get before God and you pray. So let's read this uh, together. We look at this in Matthew 6, verse 9. It says this, then this is how you should pray. Remember, teach us to pray. Cool. Let me teach you. This is how you should pray. You pray like a father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts. See, Jesus never had to pray that. Forgive us of our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And then he says, lead us not temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If we're going to seek God in this posture of prayer, there's a few things in this passage I want to point out that I believe that we should seek after the things of God. And so if you're ready to get started, come on, so let's go. All right, here we go. First thing, if you're taking notes, we got to seek his presence. we got to seek God's presence. If we're going to have this posture of prayer, we need to seek God's presence with this joyful heart, with this worshipful heart, with this heart of gratitude. And if we seek him in his presence, and God is everywhere. We know that, right? God is a God who wants us to seek after him, not because he's playing hide and seek. It's because he wants us to come and pursue him. He wants us to draw near. And we see a promise in the book of James. If you will draw near to God, he will draw near to you. We'll talk more about that in March. As we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. So Jesus says, if you're going to pray, here's a way you can model it. Here's a prayer for you. Here's how you look at it. Verse 9, our Father in heaven, holy, hallowed, holy is your name. Holy will be your name. So let's walk through this. First, let's look at the word Father. Folks, I'm telling you right, right now, if you'll get that perspective that he is your heavenly Father, it will absolutely change your posture and perspective when you go into prayer. See, most of us come to God in prayer, we think he's judge. We think he's there to condemn us. We think, oh gosh, I got caught again. Oh no, I messed up again. See, we treat prayer like a spare tire. We only get it out when we have a blowout. God, it's me again. I sinned again. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I should come into your presence and talk to you about this again. So I feel guilty, I feel dirty, so I hide and therefore I don't even pray. But if we can have this perspective that he is my father, my father. And see, a lot of times we think of our earthly father connected to our heavenly father. They are not the same. We have a perfect heavenly father who loves you unconditionally, who wants to hear about the details of your life. 
He already knows all the details of your life, but wants you to pursue him in this fellowship and talk to him. If we could get this mindset that he's my father, like he is my father, that can radically change your perspective when you enter into prayer with the Bible says with thanksgiving in your heart, that he is my father, but don't miss where he's located in heaven. That's very important. So when I go into prayer, I like, not only is my father, but man, he is sitting on his throne. He is high. He is exalted. He is lifted up. There is no one like him, nor will there ever be anyone else. He is the ruler of the universe. My father, like my father, my dad sits on the throne of heaven. Oh my gosh. Now, when you think about that posture, think about the things we bring to him. Can he not fix the things in our life? Can he not do the things that we have? He's our father. And he's sitting on the throne in heaven where it's a destination that someday that we will go. And then he says, don't miss this, that his name is holy, which means to be set apart. There is no name above his name. There is no one like him, nor will there ever be anyone like him. He is our father in heaven. I'm telling you what, if you will go into prayer with that posture and that perspective, it would radically change your heart that, oh my goodness, he's my father. He is my father and he is sitting on the throne. But if you keep on reading, we'll see this. He says in, 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 in verse 10, it says this. Not only is my father, watch this. It's, it's your kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which leads me to the second thing is this. We got to seek God's priorities over our own. We talked a little bit about this last week. That we got to seek God's priorities over our own. She says this, not only is he our father, but watch this, we want his kingdom to come. His will be done. Now, listen, as my mind, this is how I work. If there's a kingdom, there's a king. And not only do I have a heavenly father, my father is the king. Like he is the king. He is the king of the universe. Now think about this. Our little petty request that we bring in. Oh, I just don't know, God, if you can help me. This girl at work don't like me. I don't know what I'm going to do. And you have a king, a father who rules the universe. Now, I don't know if I can put food on the table this week. I really got to have to. I don't know. What to, you are my father. Watch this. And my king. Now, have you ever thought about that? Like, he is your heavenly father. You ever get like, you know who my father is? You know what I'm saying? Right? Like, temptation comes your way. Tragedy comes your way. A word comes your way. Like, do you know who my dad is? Like, do you know who he is? He's sitting on the throne. He's the king of the universe. Folks, if you can get that perspective. See, the devil wants to make you think he's the judge. He is. Or he's here to condemn you. But the Bible says, as a Christian, he's no longer my judge. He is my father. And he will never, ever, ever condemn me. Yes, there's consequences to my sin. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I will never be condemned. So no matter what I've done, what I've tried, what I did, and my bad things and my good things, I can bring them saying, Dad, I just want to tell you about Monday. You are my heavenly father. But watch this. You're also a king. And I need your kingdom to come. Now, what does that mean? Like, what does it really mean for God's kingdom to come? Like, how, does that mean heaven comes? Like, what do you mean God's kingdom to come? And, and Jesus will return and he will set up his kingdom. In fact, the Bible talks more about his second coming than it does about his first coming. He's coming back. He's heading back here. So what do you mean for his kingdom to come? Well, if there's a kingdom, there's a king. If there's a king, what's the king do? The king rules. The king reigns. So when I pray, I want your kingdom to come. I want you to come. Here's what I'm saying. I want your reign. 
I want your rule in my life to come. If my king, I want you to direct my life. I want you to have authority over my life. I want you to have authority over my kingdom. You see, we always want to seek our kingdom instead of his kingdom. We seek our plans and our priorities when we should seek God's priorities. We talked about this last week in Matthew 6. Remember, if you keep reading in chapter 6, it says, but seek first what? The kingdom of God. His reign and rule. Seek first to have him to rule and reign in your life. And he says, in all his righteousness, and watch this, all these things you're worrying about, how you're going to put food on the table, are you going to make sure you got your kid off to college in time, or how, how, are you going to have enough money at that when you retire, if you're going to get that promotion, what, what, what. If you will seek first my kingdom, I'll take care of your kingdom. Say, God, here's what I do. Before I get to anything, I'm going to say, thank you for who you are. You're my father. You're my king. And I want your, your will to be done. See, I've got my will, and I've got my plans. But really, at the end of the day, I want your will. I want your plans to be done in my life. I'm going to submit my plans to you. You know, a lot of times we think prayer is about just coming to God and say, God, I need you to help me. God, I just need your help and help me on this. But see, prayer is not about just getting God to help you. Prayer is getting you in line so God will reveal to you what he's about to do. What he's about to do in your life. We see this over and over and over through Jesus. Jesus always sought after his father's heart. He always sought after his father's purpose and his father's activities, especially before a major decision that he had to make. See, a lot of times, if you look through this, Jesus didn't seek after his father's heart for information. Jesus sought after his father's heart for instructions. God, what do you want me to do? God, not my will, but your will to be done. If there's any way you could pass it, you pass it, but what's your will? I want your will to be done in my life. And we can see this over and over and over. So when I come before God, I'm not just trying to get information. God, inform me. God, instruct me. God, where do you want me to go today? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to today? How do you want me? How do you want to use me today? Anybody can do this. Like you have to be super spiritual. Like you don't have to have, you don't have to have all the Bible memorized. You can get up and say, God, you know what? I desire for you to lead my life because every time I try to control my life, I always end up messing up. And I just want you to leave me. So guess what? I desire you and I'm going to seek you. And God's like, finally. That's all I've asked you to do is to seek after me and to come after me. And so because he's my heavenly father, but he's also my king, which means the only response I can have in my heart is yes, which means this, I need to obey before I pray. Before I even pray and ask, the answer is yes. Why? Because he's my king. And as my king directs me, so if my king wants me to share my faith, I share my faith. If my king wants me to bless people, I'm going to bless people. And my king just happens to also be my father. Why would I not want to do that? For, you see that perspective, that posture change? But the devil wants to lie to all of us and go, God don't like you. He's mad at you. He doesn't love you. Look what you did. If you were really saved, you wouldn't do that sin again. You keep sinning over and over and over. Look what you said. Look what you talked to them. Look how bad. Look at the thought you had. And all of a sudden, we feel just like Adam and Eve. We want to go hide because we don't want to get in God's presence because we're afraid of him. As children of God adopted into family, we do not have to be afraid of him. We can come with boldness, the Bible says, into his presence. Why? Because we want his will to be done. Here's the third thing we need to seek. We need to seek God's provision for our life. We need to seek after God's provision. 
So when I'm going to come in prayer, I'm going to say, God, I'm going to seek your presence. You're in heaven. I know my posture and perspective has changed. I know where you are. I want your will, not mine. I got my plans, but God, you can interrupt my plans anytime you want to interrupt my plans because I want your will to be done in my life. But God, I'm going to submit to you my needs that I have, and I need you to be my provider. You're Jehovah Jireh. That's what the Bible says. It means you're my provider. I want you to provide for me. See, a lot of times we don't want to see God as provider. We want to see our employer as our provider. And if something happens to our employer, our whole life gets shaken and shaken up because now we start panicking how we're going to make it work when you go, wait, wait, they're not my provider. He is. Do you see that? God, you're going to me. No matter what happens to the economy, you're my provider. No matter what happens in the world, you are my provider. See, if we would seek him and come before him and say, God, you're not only my father, you're my king, but you are the one who provides for me, then Jesus says, here's the model, then way you can pray. Then here's what you say. Then God, give us today. You give us today what? Our daily bread. I was reading through this and I started laughing. I just laugh out loud. I don't know if you ever do that. Sometimes you read the Bible. I don't know. I'm weird like that. And I just start laughing. I'm like, we don't want daily needs. We want weekly needs. We want monthly needs. We like, God, could you go ahead and give me my life needs, right? We don't want, we want needs for tomorrow. And we miss today. He goes, you already don't even promise tomorrow. If you keep reading Matthew chapter six, he says, tomorrow has its own problems, Don't worry about tomorrow. Listen, I will meet your need today, which means this. You need to stay in the present. You need to keep your posture in the present going, you know what? I don't know what tomorrow holds, but today, you know what? Today, God, I trust you. God, today, I need you to meet my needs. God, today, where's my next meal coming from? You know what I'm saying? God, today, help me work this out at work. Today, I'm going to trust you with my daily, daily needs. And Paul writes in Philippians 4, God will meet all your needs according to the riches that are in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I think he's pretty well off. He owns the universe. And so whatever I need, Jesus says, I will meet that need. Watch this. When you seek him first. See, when you try to plan your life, you say, I don't need God. I can make my own plans. I can make my own retirement. I can make my own life. I can make my own career. I can make my own, ma- I can do my own, God, I'll get you when I need you. But until then, thank you for letting me bypass hell and go to heaven, but I'll get you later. And he's like, oh, okay. But when you come before God in a posture of prayer every single day of your life and say, God, listen, I can't do this without you. I don't want to do this without you. I need you to provide for me. I need you as my father to God and direct me because every time I try to take my life into my own hands, I always mess it up. Would you, Father, lead me? You see the posture? Do you see this? And this is the model that Jesus says as we come before the Lord, as we seek his face. Here's the fourth thing that we need to seek in prayer, and that's God's pardon keeping it with the peas. It just works. Just go with me. This is seeking God's pardon for our sins. And this is the one I think that we get hung up on. Because this is Matthew 6, 12. It says, forgive us of our debt, sins of debt, as we also have forgiven our debtors, the ones who have sinned against us. Two things in this passage, a lot of them, both of these big things right here, hinder us, hinder us big time, big time from seeking God. One is unconfessed sin. We have unconfessed sin in our life. I believe in rapid repentance. What I mean by that, you blow it, repent. You say something you shouldn't have said, repent. You did something you shouldn't have did, repent. You don't have to wait and go, well, tonight when I say my prayers. If you're like, well, I'm really not feeling any conviction of sin, it may be because your heart is so hard and because you haven't repented of something God wants you to do. Because when your heart is open to the Spirit, you know that tone, ah, that was probably not the right tone. I shouldn't have said that way. Even the smallest things prick your heart 
of saying, wait a second, that wasn't really God-like. Wait a second, that's not a good witness. Wait a second, you probably shouldn't have done that. There's something that's not condemning you, but convicting you. And what happens is we sin and we're like, oh gosh, I blew it. And we see God as a judge. We see God as a condemner. We see God is going to guilt me and God won't want to use me now because I blew it. And therefore, what do we do? We stack them up or we run and hide. And all of a sudden, there'll be months and months and months or like King David did. He went a whole year before he repented. And we're like, oh, okay, it's time to get my life right with God. And we come and we lay it all at the altar and we feel like this big burden's been lifted off of us. You could do that every day because you're going to blow it every day. Rapid repentance, rapid repentance. When you get before God and say, God, your will be done in my life. I'm going to seek your presence. You show me where you're working. And there's something you do that's off track or out of whack. The Holy Spirit, who's our God and our counselor, will lead you to go, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You probably shouldn't have done that. You know what, right? God, you're right. I'm going to repent. I shouldn't have done that. So here's the question. This is the question that I've asked myself over before. And maybe you've asked the same question. When I give my life to Jesus, I believe the Bible teaches clearly that he forgives me of all of my sins. On September the 2nd, 1997, as a junior in college at Morris State University, I gave my life to Jesus. And at that very moment that night in my dorm room, every sin I ever did in my entire life, completely forgiven. Every sin I did at that moment, completely forgiven. And watch this, every sin I'll ever do for the rest of my life, completely forgiven. Some people have a hard understanding of that. They're like, no, Jesus is forgiving of all my past sins, but man, what about the sins of tomorrow? But if you'll go back to the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, all your sins were future because you weren't even born yet. He's forgiven you of all your sin. So here's the question. Then if he's forgiven me of all my sin, then why do I confess when I sin as a Christian? Have you ever thought that before? Well, I've already been forgiven, so why do I confess my sin? 1 John 1, 9 says this. He's talking to believers. If you'll confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteous. Everybody say all. You know what all means in the Greek? All. All. Everything. In fact, that verse, I didn't say this in, in the first service, but that, that passage is written in the present tense, not future or past tense, which means this. It's a present continual cleansing that God does in your life. Well, I don't deserve that. That's called grace. That's what grace does, not works. See, what happens is we think that we're saved by grace, but then we've got to work to keep our salvation. Show me that in the Bible. We are saved by grace through grace alone. Grace is what saves you. Grace, watch this, is what keeps you. You can't save yourself. You can't unsave yourself. It is God's grace in our life. So then as a Christian, why do I confess my sin? Why do I do that? Let me give you an analogy. I have four children. There is nothing that they can ever, ever do in their entire life to undo their DNA to be my child. They will always be my child always be my son and always be my daughter to the grave. There's nothing they can do about that. Nothing they can do. As a Christian, I've been adopted into the family of God. He is now, what's this, my father. As being adopted into the family, I can never, ever, ever undo that DNA. I can never undo what he's done in my life. I am part of the family of God. So my relationship is secured. But my fellowship can be broken. I use this analogy. I hope this never comes to pass, but let's say one of my sons or my daughter rebels against our family, rebels against her parents, our, us, rebels against God and turn their back on God and turn their back on us and they go away and we don't see them or talk to them and we try to reach out and they have nothing whatsoever to do. Now watch this, watch this. There's nothing they can ever do to undo 
our relationship. They're my son. They're my daughter. They'll take that to the grave. However, when sin enters between us, it destroys our fellowship. We're not fellowship. I don't know. We don't talk. They're not here. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been in that situation. So as a Christian now, I confess my sins not to restore my position, not to restore me being a son. I restore my fellowship with the Lord. Because let me tell you what will hinder your fellowship with God, your sin. As a Christian, your sin. And let me just go and break it to you. You're going to do it every day. So you better repent. Not for a relationship status, but for a fellowship status. Does that make sense? You walking with me on that? That's why we confess our sins to God. So when we come to God, I usually have this backwards. I'm backwards a lot of things in my life. When I come to God in prayer, a lot of times the first thing I say is, God, is there anything between me and you? Is there anything between me and you that's hindering my life right now or that's going to hinder any of these petitions that I'm about to petition you with? Because if my heart is hard and there's sin in my life and I missed something today that I did not see, that I was hardened to the Holy Spirit, I will pray right now that you would reveal that to me so that my heart would be pure before you and my motives would be pure before you before we even jump into any of this other stuff. See, most of us, we can probably get to that point, but it's the second one. So God, as you forgive my debt, I got to forgive other people's debts. And this is the problem of most of us. The reason why we don't hear God or our heart is hardened because you've been hurt, you've been wounded, someone's wronged you, and you won't forgive them. And then you will come in here and go, this is going to be the year I seek God. This is going to be the year that God might have my breakthrough. This is going to be the year that God's going to do something great. But I hate them. I hate her. They hurt me. I will never forgive them. And you're wondering why you're not moving along or hearing the Lord speak in your life. Don't carry it anymore. You can let it go right now. Forgiveness is not for the person. Forgiveness is for you. You don't have to call them. You don't have to look at them. You don't have to say it to their face. Right now in your heart, you can choose. Say, I'm going to forgive. Now watch this verse. As your heavenly father has cut away your debt that you can never repay. You had a sin debt and you can never repay that debt. God sends his son to pay for your debt that you cannot pay. And all your past and present and future sins are completely forgiven. The debt has been canceled. Now he turns around to you, your king. And your heavenly father says, now you go forgive other people their debts who wronged you. So if you want to get in position to seek God, rapid repentance. God, I blew it. God, help me forgive them who've hurt me. And what happens is the joy and the peace of really truly following after Jesus begins to make its way through your heart. Watch this. And then through your life to the people. You can be around a person with a nanosecond and know they got bitterness in their heart. You can be around a person just for a moment and know they've been hurt and they've never forgiven somebody. You can hear it in their voice. Don't be that person. Don't grow up and die a very old, grumpy, bitter, mean person because someone wronged you and they can never repay it. Let it go. Because Jesus let you go on the cross. Here's the last one, is that we got to seek God's power. We really need to seek God's power to overcome temptation in our life. 
He goes on and says in verse 13, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When's the last time you prayed to ask God to deliver you from the power of the temptation around you? Like, for instance, what's that one sin in your life you keep going back to God to? God, it's me again. God, I looked at it again. God, I smoked it again. God, I drunk it again. God, I said it again. God, I slept with them again. God, I messed up again. God, I did it again. God, I cheated again. God, I said it again. What's that one that you keep going to God over and over and over, the one that has a grip on you? I don't even have to tell you what it is. The Holy Spirit's already brought it to your mind because you know what it is. What's that one? It's like, if I could get over that, man, if I could just get past that, if I can just break that, oh. When's the last time you said, God, I can't do this in my own strength? I need your power. If you're my father and you're my king and I'm seeking your will and you have all the power and authority over everything living and dead, Father, would you break this? Because I can't do this in my strength no more. Because I've tried to overcome this temptation and I just can't do it anymore. And I have to yield to you. When you're with a group of friends and they're doing things that you know they probably shouldn't be doing, you're like, God, could you just, I need your power right now. And you're a group of people and they're gossiping and they're slandering and they're tearing somebody else down and everybody's laughing at, your, at people's jokes at somebody else's expense. And you know that gossiping is a sin and it's wrong. And you're like, God, would you just give me the power to hold my tongue that this is not right? But most of us, we just jump right in. Later, we will feel bad. We repent before the Lord. But he says, I will give you power to resist temptation. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10 that every time you're tempted, your heavenly Father will always provide you a way out. Always. Always. Here's the problem. The majority of the time, we're not looking for it. We're not, we're not aware that this is wrong. The environment that we're in, I'm tempted by this. Father, what, show me the way out of this. I don't want to be this anymore. I don't want to be tempted by this anymore. I need your power in my life. And then my last observation real quick I want to, I want to point out as I was reading this is all the pronouns are plural. Have you noticed that when you read the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, bless us, lead us, help us, give us. Now the text doesn't go on and, and explain why is it plural. Because one disciple asked, Lord, teach us to pray. He did ask in a plural sense. He said, well, when you get before, I got to say, my father, help me. And as I think through that, maybe it's because it's not about me. It's about us. We're a family. We have one heavenly father. When you hurt, I hurt. When you win, I win. When you lose, I lose. We all lose. We all win because we're a family. We are in this together. We are a community that wants to seek our Heavenly Father, which means He's got a purpose for all of us collectively. Yes, He has a purpose for you individually, but He has a purpose for us collectively. And the whole point of this series is to get before God and seek His face individually, but also to seek Him corporately. And I was reading through this last night as I was praying through it, getting into the mindset for today. And I was thinking about the plural 
But there's us, 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 our, 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 our. And I just felt the Lord just press this in my heart and it says, it's because you're not alone. You know what the devil wants to do to most of us? He wants you to believe you're the only one struggling with this. You're the only one going through this. You're the only one who faces this. You're the only one who's got this issue. You're the only one who thinks about this. You're crazy. Nobody else talks about this. No one does this. You're the only one who struggles with this. Folks, you are not alone. We are a family here. And if you're visiting with us, you better be careful because we're a jacked up family. We'll probably mess you up because we all have problems and we all have issues. But guess what? We all have one heavenly father who loves us, has a purpose for us, and has a plan for us if we were to submit and yield to him. He will take messed up, jacked up people like us and use us to change the world. We just got to get in position. And that position comes with a posture of prayer where we seek his presence, his priority, his provision, his pardon, and his power to walk out his will for our life. I'm going to ask if you would just to bow your head just for a moment. If this is going to be the year we progress, we've got to adjust our posture and be a people of prayer. Two things. One, your homework assignment. Don't you love going doing a homework assignment class, right? You could sit here and say, okay, thanks for the Bible study. Thanks for the lesson of the Lord's Prayer. Cool, I've heard it before, but I've never seen it. Some of those things. Okay, great. What are you going to do with it? So here's your homework assignment. This week, sometime, go to Matthew 6, or you can go to Luke. It's recorded in Luke as well. And get before God and go through the Lord's Prayer in the way of the God he's given us and think through each word that he is my father. Like, oh my gosh, my father is a king who's in heaven and I've got this little measly request. Can he not hit, fix that? Can he not see that? Change that posture and position. And I want you to go through the Lord's Prayer sometime this week, between here and next Sunday. Surely in seven days, you can find a time to do this. And it's going to take the Lord's Prayer and this is your first time or first time to church in a long time. Listen, you don't have a Bible. We'll give you one. Just let us at the resource table. We'll let you have one. Go to this passage, Matthew 6. Read the Lord's Prayer. Take your time. Walk through it. And seek Him. And see what the Lord begins to do in your life. If you want to do that corporately, we're going to do that Wednesday right here in our prayer experience. If you're working, you can't be a part of it, no problem. Catch us online, Facebook Live. But here's the second thing. And it is, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then God is not your Father. Now I know there's a statement people say, well, we're all God's children. Well, that's technically not true. We are all God's creation, but we only become His adopted child through his son Jesus and I want more than anything else in my heart for you to be able to say he is Abba father he is my father and that only happens when you repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in his son Jesus and if you would do that then what I just went through you have the power to call him enter into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart with Hebrews says with boldness you can come into his presence. And if that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus, 
for God to become your father, then here's what the scripture says. If you will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess that with your mouth, the Bible says, then you will be saved. You might be saying, saved from what? Well, because there's going to come a day he's going to come back as judge. He's going to come back and condemn. But those of you who are part of the family of God, there is no condemnation. We've already been saved because Jesus took my punishment. He took my wrath. And now my heavenly father is not coming back to judge me. He's coming back to get me and to take me home to be with him. Who would neglect such a great salvation? So if that's you, you can pray with me. Saying a prayer won't save you, but you can, can say this with your mouth to say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, I repent of my sin. And I give my life to you. Now, Father, <laughs> you can cry out to him now. Now, Father, empower me to live for you all the days of my life. I'm going to believe several of you prayed that, whether you're at the Grayson campus online or here at the Mord campus. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just a moment. Go to the next step area. Let them know. I just want you to know I gave my life to Jesus. We have some resources we want to give you. And just in a moment, Pastor Jacob's going to come out. There's a phone number. You can text the phone number. And guess what? We'll send you back a link to say, here's some resources. As you begin to walk with Jesus, we want to help you. Because our mission is to help everyone follow Jesus so they can experience a better life. And for those of you who cried out to God for the first time as Father, I promise you, get ready. Because He's got a wonderful life planned for you. God, we want to say thank you. Thank you that you are exalted. Thank you your name is set apart and there is none like you, nor will there ever be. Thank you for being our Father, which means you love us unconditionally. God, we pray for this body of believers for your kingdom to come. We want your reign and rule. You lead this church. We want your will to be done. We know that we have needs, but you have all the resources. And we're going to trust that you're going to resource your vision. And whatever's hindering us, Lord, from moving forward, I pray you will reveal that. And that we will move and we will walk in your power to resist the temptation to do this in our own strength. But we will yield with weakness because you said when we are weak, you are strong. That your kingdom will reign in this entire region. And that all over the world, Lord, people will follow you because your people sought your presence, believed you for the resources, repented of anything that hindered us or getting our way, and really depend on your power for your kingdom to come. God, we can't wait to see what you're going to do. We thank you in advance. For it's your son's name we ask and pray. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for joining us at Better Life Church. If you'd love to discover more about how you can take your next step with Christ, we'd love for you to visit betterlife.church slash next steps. There you will find help and resources for whatever step God has for you. If you enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to subscribe and be part of our community. You can also join us live on Sundays or find more resources at betterlife.church. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.